0: I think sometimes the difference between the radical reformation and the protestant reformation is really just a matter of emphasis. Both would say for instance that the bible is the word of god, but anabaptists would tend to say, well remember jesus is the word of god and that's that's the word of god that we're to follow ultimately is jesus. So we read the bible, we study the bible, we learn the Bible and memorize the Bible so we can follow Jesus. We we learn the Word of God in print, but ultimately only so that it can lead us to the Word of God in person. Otherwise, we're just studying a book. And and so that that's just a different emphasis. I mean, because our Protestant friends wouldn't say, No, no, Jesus is not the Word of God. And Anabaptists wouldn't say, No, the Bible's not the Word of God. But when you emphasize, you just shift slightly. Okay. Just like a trajectory on a trip. You just aim slightly to the right or to the left, go far enough and you'll end up in a very different place.
1: Hi friends, you're listening to Captivate Podcast, the best place for theological discussions about worship, Christian ministry and mission. You're with Mike and Andy and this is episode 12.
2: Andy, how are you on this fine morning? Awesome. How are you, Mike? I'm I'm not too bad. We I'm I'm excited because we had a really really great conversation. I I'm, I'm going to let you introduce our guest because you're in love with him, but Well, I'm not in love with him, but I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure he's married, so that'll be awkward. No. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
2: who have we got on today?
1: So, today we are chatting to Braxy Kvy. Braxy is a teaching pastor from the Meeting House and a Baptist Church in Canada i'm pretty sure they are in toronto or ontario area yep and uh yeah our conversation is was because <laughs> we are recording this just after we finished the conversation with Braxy. the conversation was about the gospel uh, anabaptism and how the theological framework of anabaptism relates to the presentation of the gospel so really good stuff and Braxi yeah. has a lot to say about uh how that works we touched upon his book as well
2: um, yeah so reunion is his yeah. is his book that he explains um, what the gospel is and his heart for the book is that it's a, a partner in sharing the gospel rather than it being mm. how to share the gospel um, while it is that as well I think um, but yeah but it's our first Canadian. I think um, it
1: is, yeah. yeah. First Canadian on the show. First
2: Canadian on the show. We've we've interviewed Nate, who lived in Canada for a little while, but he's yep. an Aussie. But yeah, um, first Canadian, and um, yeah, we found yeah, like Canadians are just kind of like Aussies with an accent, right?
1: Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like super relaxed, and yeah, it was a really good conversation. So uh, yeah, we hope that you guys enjoy this conversation, and we are going to be back at the end to let you know about a few more things
2: enjoy. All right. Well, welcome, uh, Bruxy, to Captivate Podcast. It's fantastic to have you on. Thank you, friends. This is a real privilege. Yeah. Well, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and um, and your ministry um,
0: for us? Okay, well, my name is Bruxy, so you already know one thing about me. My parents have a sense of humor. Um, I I can't blame them for that. But uh, I'm the pastor of a church called The Meeting House, which is an Anabaptist church in Canada, in the Toronto area, Um, The Meeting House from the outside. Looking in, you would see us as maybe a fairly large church, a few thousand people spread op- spread out over multiple campuses, where we share the teaching across those campuses. Um, but from the inside out, we see ourselves as really a collection of house churches that also meet on Sunday morning. So we have over a hundred what we call home churches that meet throughout the area and then lots of kind of distance home churches of people who track with us online or from around the world we keep hearing from because we put all our podcasts and even our teaching notes and follow-up bible study questions connected to the teaching that people use in home church we put all that online so we hear from groups around the world who are tracking with us so that's kind of cool as well
2: yeah right great
0: (laughs) So you mentioned that,
2: um, the meeting house is an Anabaptist church. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? I mean, we, we both serve in Baptist churches in Australia, but, um, you know, Anabaptist might be a little bit foreign for some people listening to this. So.
0: Yeah. Well, for clarification, hopefully my accent doesn't make it too muddy. It's not anti-Baptist. It's <laughs> yeah. Anabaptist. And thank, yeah. thank you for clarifying yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. um, if, you, if you do a little bit of digging on Google with church history, the Protestant Reformation in the early 1500s was followed within a few years by what has become known as the Radical Reformation and the radical reformation was really a group of christians many of them were like seminary students of the original protestant reformers the 20-somethings who said in essence hey thank you for getting the bible into our hands and helping us fall in love with the bible but as we read the bible we see jesus at the center and they challenged their protestant forebears with not going far enough with the revolution they said you've you know you've helped us fall in love with scripture but you are still not they challenged them and said you're not still not following Jesus. You're following the Bible, but you're not taking it far enough to follow Jesus. And some of the evidence of that was that the Protestant reformers were still... Encouraging just as much violence, for instance, as the Catholic Church, they switched theology, but then they kept the same tactics, which wow. was go to war against your enemies and burn anyone who disagrees with you, or drown them. You know, Protestants often saw themselves as more merciful than the Catholics because they would sometimes drown instead of burn heretics. So that's nice. That's nice isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, the the within Protestantism, you have this great DNA of courageous protest. But you also have that first-generational DNA of violent protests. And um, and so the, the, the radical reformers just said, if we're really going to follow Jesus, one of the things we probably shouldn't be doing is killing people in the name of Jesus. And they also were the first to suggest that Faith should be a matter of free choice rather than something you're born into. So they encourage believer's baptism instead of infant baptism. Other radical ideas like separation of church and state, that the church, so you know, back at that in the day with Protestants just set up other state churches, just like the Catholics. Again, different theology, but same tactics. So you had, um, if you were born in Germany, you'd be Lutheran, and if you were born in in france you'd be catholic and and so anabaptist said no you should be able to choose your own faith and so separation of church and state and um and and along with that was just a reluctance to go to war or to use violence to advance the cause of christ and they were persecuted i mean they were pacifists so they were easy pickings by both catholics and protestants yeah, yeah. Um, and eventually came over to uh, north america canada and the united states and when they came over here they became uh, known as Mennonites and Hutterites and Amish. And basically, they're a group of Christians who, after generations of persecution, said, how about we go someplace peaceful, buy some land, keep our heads down, and hope nobody notices us. And it became very quiet. It became a, a, what was originally a very robust movement, evangelistic movement, very outspoken movement, challenging the Protestant Reformation, uh, and inviting people to follow Jesus radically. By the time it came over here generations later, it was just a very quiet, 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 let's hope nobody sees this kind of movement. So we're really now a fresh generation of, of these Anabaptists, the radical reformation, saying uh, we need to find our voice again and can both challenge the church to be more Jesus centered, but then also to put an emphasis on evangelism and reaching out. So that's kind of a brief history lesson of uh, where we come from. Fantastic.
1: So, Braxi, so did you uh, did you grow up with this Anabaptist tradition, or is this something that you? How did you discover Anabaptism?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, no, this was all new to me. So, I grew up evangelical. I I did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, Protestant, specifically Pentecostal, was my background, and then I was a Baptist pastor for about five years and i appreciated both my pentecostal and my baptist influences in my life i mean i think the body of christ is just beautiful in its variety it's when those varieties start to war against each other that it gets ugly but but the varieties of the body of christ i think are all beautiful and so i've always appreciated my backgrounds but i did have this growing niggling um something in me that was saying that I was not at least finding within those traditions for myself the emphasis on Jesus at the center that I I felt I needed to. I was becoming increasingly attracted to the peace teachings and the enemy love of Jesus, which really puts his teaching, his ethical teaching, in a completely unique category. Mm -hmm. And and that enemy love was attracting me, but I couldn't find a real emphasis of that within my traditions. And it was around that time that the church I'm at now, the meeting house asked me to come and consider becoming their pastor. And I was, I was amazed because I thought I have never heard of you guys before where you come from. And I, I guess I had fallen asleep during that uh, class in church history uh, at seminary. So I didn't know who are these Anabaptists and, and they're around today. And what, what, uh, it was really, and so it felt like what was churning inside of me, and what this five hundred year old tradition was offering, uh, was just the right fit at the right time. So it didn't take much convincing. I, I was like, I found the people of my tribe. Where have you been all my life? And yeah. immediately um, felt like I was home. It was really great. Mm. It's
1: fascinating because this is this is pretty much my story. So I grew up in a Pentecostal church. My parents were pastors, were well, still are, and then I'm yeah. moving to Baptist circles, and I'm still. Uh, officially serving in a Baptist church as a pastor, but then I discovered Anabaptism as well and the teachings of the meeting house and what you, what you guys do with the presentation of Anabaptist theology. And this is very much, this has been my response. Oh, I found my tribe. I found a <laughs> theological tradition, I guess, that I can really identify with and, and I resonate with the teachings on,
0: of nonviolence and all this stuff. So that's, yeah, it's very similar. That's really neat. You know, it's interesting. I was just talking with someone again today who said my reaction was, why did it take me so long, being a Christian for so many years, to hear this? like why yeah why the church the best years of my young adult life and i never heard you know just for instance the idea of taking the sermon on the mount that seriously and so um and i, I think that tends to be the reaction that i hear from a lot of people it, it is either an immediate a like, click but it's i mean with fear and trembling it's like whoa, what does this mean for my life but yes this this is something that God's already been churning inside of me and other people may respond with a kind of an almost um, repulsive anger of this cannot be I mean if the church has not been teaching this um, as robustly as it has for the last 500 years there must be something wrong with this you guys can't be right and so it, it's an interesting thing to see evangelical Christians long-time Christians kind of be challenged to take a second look at the teachings of Jesus specifically and mm-hmm. see some of the reactions that we get
1: yeah fascinating yeah. so Braxi, there's one more thing that we have in common apart from how we came to anabaptism uh, i've mm. got a few tattoos and you also have a tattoo and it's a beautiful passage of scripture it's very meaningful um
0: yes. and can you can you tell us what it is and then we'll move into a conversation about the gospel <laughs> yeah for those who are watching it is uh, leviticus 1928 uh, leviticus 1928 which is not the typical Bible verse that gets put on beautiful plaques with nature scenery in the background and hung on your bathroom wall, but Leviticus 19.20, here's the story behind it. When I... When I turned 50, I had this real realization that it doesn't matter if I live to be 100, I'm going to die soon. I don't have many years left on the planet, and which is true for all of us. We're all going to die soon, but you don't realize it you know, till you you can be in your 20s, and you're like, I'm going to live forever, and you hit your 30s, and it's like, I'm in the prime of my life, and you get into 40s, and it's well, 40 is the new 30, and <laughs> now I'm dead. This is it. So I, I, I hit 50, and I think, I want to maximize every conversation I have for t- to have the possibility, at least, of that conversation leading to a discussion about Jesus. And I thought, what can I do? And there's a number of different things that I changed in my life. But one of them was, I want to get a tattoo that starts conversations, because people seem to really engage in conversation about tattoos. I thought, well, I'm not very creative. I can't think of a design, so I'll just get a Bible verse. But what Bible verse would kind of mm-hmm. summarize... The gospel of the new covenant of Christ changing everything in a tattoo. What Bible verse would do that? So, Leviticus nineteen twenty eight came to mind, which is the Bible verse that says, "Do not get a tattoo." It's uh, and it's really punchy too. God says, "Don't get a tattoo." I am the Lord is how it ends. Wow. Like I'm Yahweh and I approve this message. It's that very make, important. That makes it serious. I am the Lord. It always sounds like <laughs> yeah. this is serious <laughs> stuff. So, yeah. uh, t-
1: tell us a bit more about what, Why did you get that tattoo? It's a bit
0: provocative. Yes, that's right. Well, it, um, I mean, we know that in its context, it, it's talking about uh, tattoo marks were also associated with pagan religion and worship of the dead, etc. Um, and, and the Old Testament covenant was, ne- was given to Israel, wasn't given to us in the first place as far as the laws of Moses. So I know all of that. But having said that, it becomes a beautiful symbol of how Jesus didn't only come to save us from sin, but save us from our religion that is from the way of law instead of the way of love. The cross of Christ accomplished many things, but one of the things it accomplished that's often not talked about As much within our presentations of the gospel is the birthing of the new covenant an entirely new way of being in relationship with god and other people and the new covenant promise that the holy spirit which was only given to prophets and to certain kings to rest upon them to anoint them that this anointing this giving of the holy spirit would be given to all flesh all people of all walks and talks of life would receive the holy spirit as our guide so now our way of making even ethical decisions is not just to study case law, the law of Moses, Mm -hmm. and then back that up with the oral tradition, the oral Torah. How do these two uh, stratum of law fit together and guide us? But our way of making ethical decisions is to get it to know Jesus really well, both the Jesus that we know in scripture, and then also the Jesus who through the Holy Spirit is guiding us in the way of love now through the church and to say, all right, what is what does love look like in this situation and to believe the holy spirit is really here helping us with that and so this new covenant is not the way of law; it's the way of love and so so we can get a tattoo we can eat shellfish we can do all of these things that in and of themselves may seem inconsequential but it's symbolic of this whole new way of living in relationship with god and one another
1: great mm. so I, I just want to ask you a, a question that you sort of already answered indirectly but I'll, I'll see what i can do i'm going to reshape my question <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i was wondering so you mentioned the anabaptism tradition and how that shapes you and your theology and then a bit about the gospel so I, i'm wondering how is your anabaptist theology shaping your understanding of the gospel and then how mm. is it how is it different to what uh to the way uh more reformed say brothers and sisters would understand as as the message of the gospel
0: yes great i think we agree on the basics across all wide swaths of christianity my challenge and i think the radical reformation's challenge to protestantism was that the gospel is more than that it's not it's not we're not saying your gospel is wrong it's just that it is truncated it is somehow abbreviated so the gospel that most of us have come to know and been influenced by in the west was really solidified in the 1950s in what was known as the four spiritual laws whether anyone has heard of the four spiritual laws or not modern evangelicalism has been influenced by them in one way or another and that is uh, law one god loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life amen law two uh, we are sinners and law three jesus is the solution and law four faith is the way we access the salvation beautiful and so um That was preached in the 1950s, and then Billy Graham Association came up with Steps to Peace with God, Navigators came up with the Bridge to Life, and there have been a number of different... There was the Roman Road, and more recently, our Reformed brothers and sisters have the Reformed Roman Road, which suggests that the first four chapters of the book of Romans cover those same four points. All of these have covered the same four points. There is God's love and provision, uh, but we have failed. We are sinners, and Jesus is the key. That's Romans 3 and then Romans 4... Faith is the way of receiving salvation, and and so this telling of the gospel is really solidified. And it's true, it's true, it's true. Um, But an Anabaptist challenge of that would be to say that that Jesus Himself, when He proclaimed the gospel, He put it primarily in terms of the kingdom, and that the kingdom had come to us, and that was how we were to pray: Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. And Jesus said, The kingdom is right at hand. It's ready. It's here for you to reach out and touch it. And so He invited people into the kingdom that was coming to them. He wanted them now to enter in. And the gospel of the kingdom is not just about then getting forgiveness for our sins so we can go to heaven. It is about waking up as every day as a citizen of a new a new country of a new nation, the Jesus nation, with new loyalty and allegiance and a new mission and a new purpose and a new culture, a new way of living and a new society to belong to. So it changes our life very much here and now. And the gospel was the promise of belonging that through your believing, and you could have a place of belonging in the kingdom and that you would get up every day with this new purpose not only a new place or sense of belonging but a new purpose that you get up every morning knowing that my my purpose today is to experience and extend the kingdom of god and i and i have this this beautiful opportunity to be a part of that so the kingdom is a very here and now concept that then stretches into eternity but it's not just about eternity it starts now so this is how Jesus talked about the gospel it's how the, the Apostle Paul preached if you look at the last couple of verses in the book of Acts it summarizes everything that Paul preached and it calls it the gospel of the kingdom that he continued to preach the gospel of the kingdom to people so the, the message of the cross and salvation are all part of this beautiful gospel of the kingdom and that then includes the good news of a different way of living now in ways that former presentations of the gospel, at least the evangelicalized version, has not put an emphasis on. And so Anabaptists would want to challenge that, and and that's what I'm I'm trying to do as well at The Meeting House. So it's more
1: about the way you live your life than having the exact accurate set of beliefs, although what you believe is important, of course, but that, I guess, informs the way you live your life. So do you get a lot
0: of... So, so he- I would just mention that the gospel itself is the invitation that there's a better way to live, mm-hmm. and that you you can be you have a sense of belonging in a family that's global. That you you're not only invited into a right relationship with God, but then into a right relationship with brothers and sisters who are all relating to the same God. And that's also part of partly how we honor God because when when a parent has an individual loving relationship with each of their children, that's one thing. But if those children don't talk to each other, that's only semi-satisfying to a parent. What really satisfies a parent is not only when they have an individual healthy relationship with each of their kids, but they, pass, they walk by a room where their kids are playing and they hear their kids being nice to each other, not fighting, actually being mannerly and kind to one another the way that the parent has tried to teach them to be, when the kids are getting along, that's another way of really blessing the parent. And so this gospel of the kingdom, too, is this invitation into a family that gives us a, a better way of living. It's not, it's not a, an ethical code that we have to achieve in order to receive the gospel. It is the beauty that grace births us, not just births us spiritually so we can go to heaven when we die, but births us into the kingdom of heaven here and now. And that, that's all grace, and that's beautiful. Amen. Yeah. So, so do you get a bit of pushback from uh,
1: Reformed brothers and sisters on that way of framing the gospel, or is it just something that they also embrace but emphasize different things? How do you how do you dialogue with other people?
0: For the most part, that's just a matter of emphasis. I think it it would be hard to say no, no, no. That's not the gospel. I mean, Jesus proclaims it as the gospel makes it very clear. Um, so, uh, it, what I think sometimes the difference between the radical reformation and the protestant reformation is really just a matter of emphasis both would say for instance that the bible is the word of god but anabaptists would tend to say well remember jesus is the word of god and that's that's the word of god that we're to follow ultimately is jesus so we read the bible we study the bible we learn the Bible and memorize the Bible so we can follow Jesus. We we learn the Word of God in print, but ultimately only so that it can lead us to the Word of God in person. Otherwise, we're just studying a book. And and so that, that's just a different emphasis. I mean, because our Protestant friends wouldn't say, no, no, Jesus is not the Word of God. And Anabaptists wouldn't say, no, the Bible's not the Word of God. But when you emphasize, you just shift slightly, okay. just like a trajectory on a trip, you just aim slightly to the right or to the left go far enough and you'll end up in a very different place and and so what anabaptists saw is that with protestants emphasizing the bible as the word of god the bible is the word of god it did allow for leaders who were skillful enough to turn anywhere in scripture and say you see it's in the word of god therefore we should do this which justified a lot of warfare warfare is the word of god therefore we should do this violence is part of the way that god gets things done rather than to say we we need to allow the word of god in print to lead to the word of god in person what does jesus say about how we live ethically in relationship to violence and so john 5 is where jesus tells people who love the bible study the bible follow the bible he says in john 5 37 38 39 40 he says you do not have the word of god in you (laughs) that's that's a powerful you do not have the word of God in you. These are people who knew the Bible very well, but they weren't letting it lead wow. them to.
2: Mm hmm. Mm. Well, we want to spend some time, um, you know, going deeper into that idea of, um, you know, what is, what is the gospel? What is, you know, what, even, what is the importance of, uh, sharing the gospel with, with, mm-hmm. uh, the framework of a, a book that you've written, uh, called reunion, um, which you give us, um, yeah i'd I'd say a few frameworks which all kind of you know dovetail into each other um but I just want to start that conversation off with um you know we've we've been talking about um you know the gospel's entering into the the kingdom of of god as as opposed to only being about us gaining salvation mm-hmm. um and you have this you have this um picture in your in your preface you talk about um you flying a kite. And mm-hmm. the the idea that you um, you know you're, you're flying this kite and your your dad's there is kind of you know made it fly for you and whatever and then um, and then you decide that the kite wants to be free, yeah. and so you let it go, <laughs> um, and and that that illustration being uh, the sense of um, you know humanity, uh, we almost have this sense within us that um, you know we need that freedom. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you say, you know, actually we, we need to be tethered to something and you yeah. suggest that being the gospel of, of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, what, in, in, in the framework of needing to come into the kingdom, why, why do we need the gospel?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, beautiful. Well, it's true that if you, if you yourself as a balloon, a spiritual balloon, to use the analogy – you think that, I mean, for a helium balloon to fly as high as possible, just cut the string or let it go. And yeah. it just keeps going up and up and up and up. How beautiful. But if you do the same thing to a kite, it just takes a nosedive into dirt. Mm, and and yeah. <laughs> it's worth asking the question, how are we designed? Are we designed to just have to be tethered to nothing, to be totally free to do whatever we want? Is that does history show that's human beings becoming their best selves and over time we realize that no without obligation without some restriction without a sense of duty and loyalty and fidelity we become uh, our, our animalistic selves begin to take over it's a lord of the flies situation mm-hmm. and and so uh we're not balloons no matter how much we say we want to be a balloon cutting all ties does not help us become the best humans we can be it's actually Tying ourselves to something, and uh, and really, then the question becomes: What are we tying ourselves to? And I can think of no higher principle or person than Jesus Himself to be tied to Christ to say, "I will, I will turn to Him to help me become the best version of myself," which is which is what Jesus does so beautifully. There's there's no one like Him, and so so my my suggestion is: Admit who you are. You are a person who is going to end up. Um, needing to be tied to something to to not to crash and there's so many Lesser things we could be tied to, Was Jesus is unique. He's not just like the best teacher who ever lived. He is, you get to see in Jesus the best picture of what God is like, that he is loving and caring. I mean, I think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet and think, whoa, that's God. We serve a God who is humble, who gets down on his hands and knees and washes feet in order to teach his disciples to go and do the same thing. And that the creative power behind the universe has this modesty and gentleness and kindness and inclusivity of those people who are on the margins and who have been rejected by religion and so in jesus you get to see this image of god that you see nowhere else and at the same time you see an image of humanity in its perfection as our goal and you can see both now, God's perfect love and how we are called to live in relationship with that perfect love all in this one life. And that's one-stop shopping for every spiritual need that we would have being met in Christ, you know. So I, I want people to be able to see that there's a good and beautiful message here in the gospel that we're not just trying to tell people they're sinners so they can go to heaven. We're offering them the best way of being human here and now. Mm. mm. that's really good. That's so good. that was a good question, Mike. Yeah. well done. I actually got that out <laughs>
1: without stumbling over it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Braxi, I want to ask you about the the way we articulate the gospel. so when I was growing up in a Pentecostal uh church with a more reforms uh theology. <laughs> we will articulate gospel like, you know, Jesus, we will go straight to the cross, which is at the very heart of the gospel, of course, you know, the atonement, Christ dying and then rising. Uh, But now looking back at this this uh, thing, I can I can see how it was sort of inaccurate in a way, or it was just sort of we would just jump straight to the cross without telling the whole story of the gospel. And you mm-hmm. have in in your book and in your teachings, you have a really helpful way of um, framing the gospel. So you talk about the gospel in one word, three words, and thirty words and i've counted it is actually 30 words i'm a bit ocd OCD, yes i was (laughs) trying to make sure and it is 30 it's fantastic so uh can you can you unpack this for us a bit more how that works the the gospel one word three words and 30
0: words yeah i'm happy to And, and just before i do that let me pick up on what you said about the gospel sometimes in in i hear christian infighting today and they pit the cross against the crown. In other words, there's this gospel of the kingdom and right. this yep. of salvation by the cross. And and sometimes the cross people think that the crown people who who preach a gospel of the kingdom, all they want is social justice and they don't care about salvation. That's what the cross people think. It's a stereotype. And then the crown people think, well, you cross people only want to get souls into heaven, but you don't care about how we live here now. But the two, we shouldn't have to choose between the two. Sometimes Christians create a bifurcation and a duality that that is not biblical. Um, For instance, and this is what popped up in my mind when you were talking about that, is that the gospel writers portray the cross as the coronation of our king The king of our kingdom So even the cross is a kingdom concept um, it, what, what the Romans are doing uh, In order to mock Jesus The gospel writers themselves Are writing I think with this ironic Glee to say do you see Do you see it um, In John's gospel Jesus even has this conversation With Pilate where um, Pilate says you know, Are you a king And Jesus says well my, I am a king But my kingdom is from another world It's not a product of this world It's, it's here it's come here but it's from another world. It's of another world. It's not a product of this culture. And he says, for if it were, then my followers would fight. And that's the the first and only, in this case, designation, he says, to point out that his followers are different. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so he's and then he he's uh, he's mocked as a king. He's given a robe as a king. He's given a scepter of a king. He's given a crown of thorns, he, and this, so the cross is then set up to be shown as the coronation, the ascension up unto his throne of our king. But it's an upside down kingdom, a kingdom of suffering. And just in case we didn't get it, the, the, they put a plaque above his head, you know, saying this is Jesus, King of the Jews. So again, it's all in mockery, but it's I- ironically. True. So everything ends up pointing back to the kingdom, including the cross. Um, and so with that in mind, then, I wanted people at our church at the Meeting House to find um, handy ways to remember the, the, the data points of the gospel to share it with others. And the gospel in one word, now you might think of all of this conversation, I'd say the gospel in one word would be the word kingdom. Um, but I think there's one word that even beats out kingdom. And that is just the name Jesus. The gospel in one word is Jesus. And uh, Mark begins his gospel by saying this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus. And then he doesn't just go on to give a soundbite. He tells the whole story of the life of Christ. So mm. so from Mark's thinking, the gospel is just the whole Jesus event. That's helpful. The gospel in one word being Jesus is helpful to remind people that when you're having a good conversation about good things, that may be a good conversation, but but it's not a gospel conversation until it's a Jesus conversation. And even when you're having a God conversation about godly things, it's still not a gospel conversation until you're having a Jesus conversation. Mm. Jesus is what, what the gospel is all about. So the gospel in one word is Jesus. So I always wanted to teach people at the Meeting House and beyond to, um, to make sure that in the conversation, if you want to speak spiritual truth, it's always going to lead to Jesus. Don't be afraid to go there. Um, just the gospel in one word is Jesus. And um, I'm trying to summarize a whole chapter, so uh, <laughs> yeah. there's more to be said, but you get the point. Yes, yes. Um, the gospel in three words, I think, is the earliest creed uh, or statement of faith of the Christian church, which is found in Romans ten nine, where the Apostle Paul says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, those three beautiful words, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, so Paul says, confess jesus is lord which is again a kingdom concept jesus is the king he's my mentor my my mediator and he's my master he's lord and i follow him to say jesus is lord and god raised him from the dead you're saved which is interesting he didn't say pray to jesus to be your savior so you can go to heaven when you die he said when you confess he's lord you'll be saved so we tell people at the meeting house don't invite jesus into your heart to be your own personal savior confess that He is your Lord, bow the knee to Him, commit your life to following Him as as your King. Wow. And in the process, you get Him a Savior as part of the package. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, because Jesus Jesus is Lord is what saves, right? If you confess yeah, that, that's your it. salvation. Sometimes, you know, I grew up with uh, where our emphasis was always on invite Jesus to be your Savior, invite Jesus to be your Savior so you can be saved. And I had friends who might pray a prayer, and it was it was you know very easy to do. But then they might spend the rest of their life trying to figure out if they want Him to be Lord, you know, because the whole... A conversation was on the premise of what's the minimum you have to do in order to get uh, maximum benefit yeah. and as Jesus says you know, pick up your cross die follow me um, he's a really bad American televangelist from that point of view he does not know how to call, the altar call you know <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so, so
1: it's, it's it's not a very it's not it's completely non transactional in that in that sense Jesus says give me your all it's not about how
0: much ca- I can get away
1: yeah.
0: with yeah, it's not a capitalist version of salvation. You know, what's what's on sale? What's the special? What's the least I can give to get the most yes. back? No, it's, it's everything. It's a falling in love model, not a capitalist consumeristic model of I just want to give you everything. And and certainly we need the best. We can give up everything. It can cost us everything. And we still get the best deal uh, in the relationship and um, you know, so when God gives us His everything, you know, we we benefit. Mm. So Jesus is Lord, the gospel in three words. So, so,
1: sorry, just to just to pick up on what you said before. So, so when we have a conversation about the gospel, we we have to have a conversation about Jesus. That's where we start. And then when we communicate the gospel, we want to arrive at this point of saying Jesus is Lord. Like this, yeah. this is this is like a next step for us to get to.
0: Yes. So, so and, then, what, what and, does it what does it mean? Sorry, go on. Well, even the, the Lord not only means that he's the king and the one that I follow, so he gives me purpose. You know, I get up every morning saying, I'm going to learn from Jesus, as my," uh, to use uh, more contemporary or other religious words, my guru, my, my teacher, my master. Not only to say that I have a guru that I follow, but it's to say that this guru is Lord, also in the sense that Lord was sometimes used as a short form for God, as a substitute word for God. So to say Jesus is Lord is yes to say that he's the master that I learn from, But it's also to say, and I learn from him because I believe he shows me what God is like, what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not only teaching me to be my best self, but he's showing me what God is really like. And that's good news. Just to wake up in the morning and say, I'm in a universe where the highest authoritative, creative power is pure love and embrace and Jesus gives me the evidence of that, so it's not just a theory. Uh, I get I get real evidence from Jesus. To say that's a beautiful universe to wake up in in the, in the morning. That's that is really good news. And so to say Jesus is Lord is to say when I look at Jesus I see God. J- uh, Jesus said in John twelve forty five. Sometimes we we think of John fourteen on this topic, but John twelve forty five says it really clearly. He said Jesus says when you look at me, you are seeing the one who sent me. Mm. That's powerful. <laughs> oh yeah so that that's really good news god is like jesus and we see god when we look at jesus yeah
2: um just just um yeah interjecting there a little bit um the word the word lord i think is a little bit foreign for us in today's kind of language yeah. I, don't, I don't think we yeah. use it um uh, as as people would have used it because i mean you know like your your master you called lord you know back right. in back in um you know biblical times kind of thing um you know like we we see it in you know some of the stories that jesus tells it's you know like yeah yeah. people are calling him lord with kind of almost a little l kind of thing in the sense that he was a teacher um can you think of something that we could kind of you know grab onto to give a bit of a um idea today what that word would be used yeah like know, twelfth, something yeah. that's similar kind of thing for us today yeah,
0: that's good and i wonder if master and words that are similar to that even teacher are at least a good starting point yeah um uh, we uh, in 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 the sense of uh well, Jesus wasn't afraid to be called teacher. That is a fascinating thing. You know, he says to the disciples when it's time for the Last Supper, he says, go into the town and find a man carrying a jug of water. Tell him, he says, tell him that the teacher has need of a place. He would self-identify. Obviously, people knew him as the teacher, the teacher, the teacher. So I, I think that's a great starting point for our non Christian friends is to We can get right into a debate about was Jesus God, which I believe he was, but I say to my non-Christian friends, listen, Jesus is happy for you just to approach him as a teacher. There's so much you could learn from him. And most people feel okay starting there if they have any spiritual interest to say yeah i'd love to learn what jesus taught say okay well we get together regularly we talk about what jesus taught and figure out how we can live that so we can Mm -hmm. be the best version of ourselves you want to join in we invite people to come and and begin to look at jesus as a teacher and the beautiful thing is that when you listen to Jesus long enough as a teacher, then Jesus teaches you that he is more than a teacher. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's good. Yeah. And I don't have to have that conversation right off the bat or win a debate about that. If I can at least get someone to start listening to Jesus as their teacher, then Jesus will partner with me in helping them see more. Um, so Jesus as Lord can also mean Jesus as teacher or master or mentor and that can be a fine place for someone to start. And then they will eventually see, wait, because one of the things Jesus teaches about, one of Jesus' favorite topics is Jesus. <laughs> he, yeah. he will say, let me tell you about me yeah. so that you can be encouraged to know that I'm the one who's showing you what God is like. And, yeah. and so if the, they all in love with his teachings and they trust him as a mentor and as a master teacher, then they will begin to trust him about bigger, bigger topics, like mm. what is God like. Yeah.
1: Good stuff. Okay. So we've got the gospel in one word, Jesus, the gospel in three words, Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. Gospel in 30 words.
0: What's that? All right. Here we go. Count along, boys and girls. The gospel (laughs) in 30 words is this. Uh, Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. That's beautiful. I love that. That's so good. I'll say it one more time. Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love, save us from sin, set up God's kingdom, and shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And and each of those points is not meant to be just kind of repeated, like um, parroted to someone saying, well, here's the gospel, and then to just say the gospel in 30 words. But it's to function as kind of a mental rubric, uh, a way of organizing our thoughts. And then I find it depending on where someone is at we can enter the conversation of the gospel at different places if someone is saying, I'm you know, struggling with uh, a sense of uh, identity or uh, purpose or belonging even, I, I just feel unloved. We can certainly start with how Jesus shows us God's love. Or if they're dealing with guilt, so we can talk about forgiveness of sin. But also if they're if they're talking about um, wanting to know what to do with their life here and now, then the gospel of the kingdom kicks in. Uh, some people will just say, I'm fed up with religion. I've just had too many negative experiences. Or I even just look over church history and I think it, religion is a horrible idea and tends to, when religion shows up, I mean, people are already naturally antagonistic towards one another, divisive, tribalistic. When religion shows up, it rarely makes the problem better, but worse. It usually adds to the hostility because now you've got God on your side. So whatever was dividing you in the first place, now you can say, and I know I'm, I'm righteous in this. I've got a godly cause. And so people I think are onto it. And they're saying, look, religion is a horrible thing, but to see that Jesus himself took on the religious establishment of his day, called out its hypocrisy, and offered a more direct access to the Holy Spirit, put away the sacrificial system and the priestly class, so that the first generation of Christians were able to say, hey, we're all priests. We're, we all got a, a, a spiritual promotion when we woke up this morning. This is amazing. Um so, there is, um, there is a, a, a way of, depending on how you use the word religion, there is some kind of radical change Jesus brings about that wipes away salvation by the system and allows you to experience the cleansing of the Holy Spirit directly. And so you can enter the gospel conversation in different uh, different ways as you kind of keep that in your mind, the gospel in 30 words in your mind. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah. Really helpful, uh, framework for organizing your
1: thoughts. And I, I use it all the time <laughs> when, yeah. I, when I talk to people about the gospel. It's,
2: it's fantastic. Oh, that's great. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, I think that's really helpful. Like I, I kind of see, um, you yeah, know, within that just looking over it again, there's at least six kind of, um, areas within that, um, mm-hmm and yeah so it, it like you know the, the entry points that you kind of um picked up on there were the were the middle four um right. often i think we can kind of you know uh would let down to the first and the last one in, That's in, really in, great. in a sense because we kind of go jesus god with us so we can share in god's life yeah, um yeah. Like, but we we kind of you know are scared of talking about the the, the middle stuff. But the yeah. like, you know, while those two points are important, um, I think the middle stuff is kind of key for us to to work through as
0: well. Yeah, I'm right with you. And while we're talking, I'm just going to um, let my dog out of the bathroom. He's locked himself in the bathroom. Oh, George. <laughs> hi george there, there george says hello hi george hey george <laughs> <laughs>
2: because i i I guess i guess where i was going with that is is um you know what what's what's kind of the danger then if we we miss out that that middle uh for kind of
0: well the the easy believism just just pray a prayer and it's all taken care of can really make discipleship a secondary issue uh it's a, a transactional model that says um consumeristic as we've said a capitalistic model of spirituality um, what what can I trade for to get the, my salvation and it's just simple faith great um, but it, it can mean that that discipleship is rarely addressed or when it is addressed it feels like a bait and switch wait you told me it was a free gift of grace all I have to do is pray a prayer now you're t- telling me to learn to pick up my cross and actually follow Jesus and change my yeah. life yeah mm. And what's interesting is, you know, when the Apostle Paul said it's a free gift of grace, he said that to a group of people who were already Christians, who were already trusting Christ and following Christ, and he's letting them know, don't get cocky, this is a free gift, you couldn't afford it and um, but jesus didn't start with that when he called people to be his disciple he said you got to be ready to die it's going to cost you everything actually it's not a free gift it's a costly gift it's going to cost you everything and and i think jesus helps balance that out by telling the parable of the buried treasure where he says yeah there's a treasure you could never afford it, it, you you can't purchase your salvation that's true this you could never afford the treasure but in order to obtain the treasure you need to sell everything you have so you can at least purchase the land that the treasure is buried in it's an amazing parable you know so this it it teaches both it's gonna cost you everything you got to sell everything you got but it says he says in this parable in Matthew 13 that the guy who found the buried treasure knew he couldn't afford it but he could afford the land if he sold everything he had if he gave up everything it says he did this in his joy because he knew that even though it was gonna cost him his whole life he'd still get something even better in the buried treasure which you could never afford otherwise so yes it's both a free gift of grace that will cost you everything Mm. and uh, and sometimes we don't preach the gospel that way so it can end up being a bit of a spiritual bait and switch Mm.
2: yeah yeah i think i think so often we kind of we kind of talk about you know I, i hear in Evangelistic events, and I don't want to throw throw any of those events under the bus or anything like that. So I think they're great. Um, but um, yeah, we kind of go, you know, like people people need to go to these so that can be saved. Yeah. we we kind of, you know, uh, what what's happening in people's heads? Then I think they're they're kind of taking maybe one or two of these points out of out of you know what the whole gospel is. Then maybe. Um, yeah so maybe it it, is there a better way we can talk about um yeah evangelism in that sense other than oh you know people just need to be saved
0: yeah yeah um so while we're talking now, I'm going to get George a cookie because he is whining. <laughs> George is still still in the show. Yeah, he's still like, Yeah, now he's waiting for a cookie. Hold on.
2: He's saying, I- "I'm I'm really the one that you want to be
1: interviewing, right?" I now. think secretly George is thinking he wants to be on Captivate Podcast next time. Yeah,
0: I think that's what he's saying. <laughs> okay that should keep him quiet for a little bit um note to self i need to have somebody here to take care of george when i'm doing a podcast uh (laughs) um so yes you asked (laughs) can you say that again
2: so just trying to yeah remember how i said it um yeah so we talk about you know people people need to be saved Mm. um that that kind of thing is there a better way that we can um framing that so yeah. that would encompass what, what you, you phrase in the 30 words as the whole, uh, the whole yeah. big gospel, maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and the, the way we phrase the gospel will hopefully adjust in its starting point. See, the ending point will always be Jesus, but yeah. the starting point can be anywhere, depending yeah. on where the person is at. I love how when the Apostle Paul preaches the gospel in Acts 17 at the Areopagus, she does so after having spent time and we don't know from the passage whether it was a week or a month or a year, he was waiting in Athens for his friends, and he he uses the time that he's waiting there to uh, get into the marketplace where they exchanged ideas, engage in discussions and debates. The word, the Greek word that's used there, is a word for throwing the ball back and forth. He would kind of throw the ball back and forth in discussion with with their theologians and their religious leaders and philosophers. So he got to know their religion really well. He got to know where they're coming from. He got to know um, their belief system, and their history. So when he finally had a chance to preach the gospel, yeah, yeah. Acts 7 stands up and he, he doesn't just say, uh, I have my script memorized, and, and it's a standard script I say to everybody the same way. He starts with their world. He talks about the unknown God. He talks about their own temples and their own sacrificial system and how God has worked through history, including their history, and he hasn't left them alone. And And he finally then leads it right up back to Jesus. So I think our first role in evangelism, is to get to know who we're talking to and become what we say at the meeting house is just pray that God helps you become spiritually curious, that you become known as a spiritually curious person who loves to ask questions and find out what people believe and why they believe what they believe. And the first half of any conversation and maybe the first few conversations if it's a longer relationship should just be along those lines. And then you'll also, when you do have a chance to share your faith, you'll know where to start because they will have told you. Mm, mm. yeah and the the other yeah that's right so the
1: other thing i really appreciate about this you know gospel in one three and thirty words is that it's not just theologically informative because it's so rich obviously uh, particularly the gospel in thirty words there's so much theological stuff in there so it's not just that informative it's also a very practical right and you just mentioned that that you Mm. get to you get to the point of understanding who your audience is but You know, you start with Jesus. You have to make sure you talk to Jesus. You you talk talk to to Jesus and about Jesus, uh, and then and then you move through all these points that you mentioned. So it's it's not often I think that we find a a system or a framework that is uh, so
0: practical at the same time. Well, and we we've uh, written a study guide to go with the book reunion that uh, so that people can at least within our culture today when, when someone gets to a point of saying yeah I'm kind of curious about this inviting them to read a book is not culturally inappropriate it's a very it's a low fruit kind of next step for some people um, to say I come and join a book club or I'm reading this book do you want to read it with me and we can talk about it uh, and then we have a study guide for people who want to use that kind of framework for over an eight-week period they can do it through a small group at church or one-on-one with someone in a coffee shop. Hmm. And that becomes, there are a lot of great books out there that are written to Christians about how to evangelize, but I wanted to write a book that wasn't just about how to evangelize, it would would become your partner in evangelism that Hmm. you could use to connect with someone. It would be a relationally connecting tool. And we're starting to see it used that way, and it's it's a, a beautiful thing to see the results. Yeah. Great. So we'll, we'll try and link everything in the show notes so people can actually go online
1: and, and buy the book, obviously, but also buy the study guide. I think it's also available yeah. on, on Amazon as well. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Praxy, we want to be respectful of your time and George might come up with something else that yeah. he'll need you for. <laughs> so we'll probably... Uh, we'll probably come to an end of our conversation. Thank you so much for, for being with us and sharing some profound thoughts on the gospel. Uh, before we let you go, I just want to quickly ask you about this new initiative that uh, The Meeting House uh, started with a few other churches in America, the Jesus Collective. Can yeah. You, can you tell us a bit more about what's, what's that about?
0: Yeah, over the last decade we've been getting emails and other kinds of messages from pastors, church leaders and individual Christians who are arriving at that same place we were talking about at the beginning of saying i've been a christian a long time but i'm i'm rethinking my faith with jesus at the center and realize he should have always been there um and maybe i had the bible at the center which is beautiful but there's something even more important than just having the bible at the center it's the jesus of scripture at the center and and so they're getting there and they're they're struggling and they're saying when i finally get there i realize i feel i'm all alone here and the holy spirit is kind of birthing a a renaissance, a renewal of the radical reformation of 500 years ago. And so we we kept looking, you know, they'd say, can we join the meeting house? And we'd say, well, what is, we don't know how to answer that question. We don't know what that means. And these are groups from all around the world. So we said, maybe instead of just, creating a department of the meeting house for people to join we should birth an organization that's bigger and goes beyond the meeting house and so just uh, over this last year we've been cultivating this thing called a jesus collective just know the just jesus collective and if people want to learn more about it they go to jesuscollective.com and we it's just a micro site it's like a page or two so far because officially we're not we're not starting it until 2020, until next year. Mm-hmm. But we're using 2019 to learn lessons, try a few pilot projects, make our mistakes, learn what we can, and so um, people can at least get on an information list and begin to learn about it. And it'll officially get started probably in the summer of 2020. Mm. Great, sounds exciting. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's really a, it's something that there's an appetite for around the world. And, um, and again, it's not to say that other forms of Christianity are are wrong or bad, but for those people who are looking and saying, I need a place to belong to work out these new ideas I'm having, Mm. uh, we want to create a space for them to do that
1: That, that, that's right and that's fantastic i think you know you've got sort of different like you've got alternatives to that as well like the gospel coalition probably is is something that's that's similar you know in yes our uh,
0: reformed uh, friends are just much better at being organized yeah (laughs) Yeah. they really organized themselves so well and you know it's that efficient reformed calvinistic yeah. mind is yeah, really yeah. well organized and anabaptists do not have a history of doing that well so we're we're saying hey reformed friends we want to learn from you and um and it, it won't be kind of just the mere image of the gospel coalition that's not what we're trying to do but yeah. that that is a maybe a way of understanding that'll be a rallying point for jesus-y yeah. thinking yeah. yeah great stuff good
1: all right, cool. Braxy, thanks so much. Thanks again for
0: uh, being on Captivate Podcasts. <laughs> Guys, right, so I love it. what you're doing. You got a good thing going on. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you.
2: Wow. Wow. That was, uh, that, was some, that was some good stuff.
1: I appreciated that conversation.
2: Yeah, that, that was brilliant. So, The I don't I don't know where I don't know where to start because there was just so much Mm. in there from the perspective of what is the gospel that we should be sharing and then, you know, how how we then go away um go about framing that. Um was just really yeah really profound for me. You know, the
1: first thing that actually stands out for me is you know, if someone listening to this, if, if you if you're listening to this and you are not quite familiar with Anabaptism and what uh, what the theological framework of Anabaptism is and how different it is to, well, maybe not different, because actually Braxy said it uh, said it that way. He didn't say it was different, it was just, it's just different emphasis, saying, yeah. There's
2: right? a di- different emphasis. It, it yeah. mentioned like you know, if you if you change change. Yeah, your direction by one degree. You know, if you if you chase that down for yep, yep, yep. multiple kilometers, you're going to end up at what In a different know, place, a, a lot different yeah. place than what you were before. Yeah.
1: So, but I, what I'm trying to say is, if you don't know what anabaptism is and how it's, you know, how how the emphasis of anabaptism is perhaps different to Reformed tradition, then I, I think you really have to research that a bit more. And then having that knowledge of anabaptism, you have to come into this conversation again, or mm. even even the book that Braxy wrote and and then see how that works within the the proclamation of the gospel uh but for me it was it was fantastic and you know i've read the book and i've been uh following the teachings of the meeting house and the anabaptist framework for a while and it just really works for me
2: yeah i think i think it i think it just like blows wide open you know what christianity is really about yeah Um, the jesus-centeredness yeah yeah it doesn't doesn't just hone in on the fact that, yeah that transactional, if I say I believe in Jesus, then I'm saved and, you know, all is fun and Daniel, and I can go away and do what I want then because, you know, once saved, always saved kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, you know, like taking a look, which, you know, it would be great to have Bruxy on again, maybe um, to, you know, take a look further at, you know, maybe the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus, you know, massive kind of main yeah, teaching the ver- the very,
1: The very center of his teaching, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, um, you know, actually look at that and kind of go, well, what what is he really saying? And then hinging the rest of our faith on that, yeah, you know, and the person of Jesus, um, you know, rather than kind of going through the Bible and saying, oh, you can't have a tattoo, you can't have, you know, it then becomes just a book of rules for you.
1: Yeah, it becomes a book of rules yeah. and it becomes... You know, instead of seeing the Bible as a storyline yeah. that moves somewhere, you start treating the Bible as as a flat text mm. where everything has the same value and the same authority and the same importance. Every passage, it doesn't matter where it is, right? Yeah. Whereas the Bible is the exact opposite. It's actually yeah. a storyline. And where something is in the story is of crucial importance. So what Moses says is, mm. you know, in a particular place in the biblical storyline, but then what Jesus says is in a different place, and in fact, what Jesus says has the supreme authority, even over what Moses says about tattoos yeah. and whatnot.
2: Yeah, it's funny so, how we how we use that use the Bible, because like any other book, we re- read from cover to cover, right? Yeah, and the the story unfolds, and you know we we don't you know stuff can change, and then that changes how we view stuff. Yeah, you know, that's that's come previously. Yeah, but I mean yeah that the bible the bible isn't you know i think i think it's a bit diff, more difficult with the bible in the sense that it's not you know not written in the, in the sense that it's chronological you know the way that it's formatted for us right um it's kind of put in you know sections if you like so you've got the you know first five books as the as the law and all mm. that kind of stuff you can't necessarily read it from cover to cover and have it in chronological order um But there is a way of reading the Bible that you can read in chronological order. And, you know, in in the same way that you read a fiction book or something or a story from cover to cover, um, you can read the Bible chronologically and, you know, see then that your main climax, your main book, you know, your main event is actually Jesus. This is the thing that changes everything. Yeah. Um, And then that changes how you have viewed everything else up to that
1: that's right beautiful way of putting this Mike fantastic you've got this theologically figured out well done
2: uh, kind of <laughs> still I'm still yeah still still yeah like, putting it all back together after know, being blown apart but yeah
1: do you know what I appreciate Greg Boyd I think maybe it's Greg Boyd maybe it's someone else but someone has this fantastic analogy when it comes to how to read the Bible and how to treat the Bible um, you know as a story the way it's supposed to be treated and he uses the analogy of this movie uh, Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis and what's this kid's name? I see dead people, you know that one?
2: Uh, I, I don't oh, watch many movies, but Wow, yeah. okay, so <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, press pause now, you gotta watch it. And yeah, come, come back. Yeah, and we'll have come, come back, yeah. Anyway, so I'll tell you quickly pretend what like it's... Pretend you, let's pretend you know the story. So anyway, in this story, so spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, then press pause and then watch it and then come back. But anyway, in this story, um, in this story, um, the main character is a uh, psychiatrist or someone that's uh, helping people, like a counselor. But then uh, it's a bit ambiguous at the beginning of the story whether cause he's, he gets shot and it's ambiguous if he survives or not. And then the whole time, for the whole movie, he's helping this kid who says he sees dead people. Yeah. So he's counseling him, whatever. And at the end of the movie, this main character, this guy, realizes that he's been dead the whole time. And the only reason why the kid can interact with him is because the kid sees dead people and he's dead, right? Yeah. So that's the twist of the story. So yeah. every good story, so hang on, just, you know, bear with me, there is a point to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so every good story has the beginning, middle, twist, and the end. Yeah. Now, it would be unreasonable in this story, Sixth Sense, to think that what happens before we know that this guy was dead is as true and as equally important as what happens after we find out that he actually was dead the whole time. Yeah. So the twist is the fact that he realizes he was dead. And in biblical story, Jesus is that twist. So Jesus, his arrival, his proclamation of God's character and all this stuff, that's the twist in the biblical story that changes completely the way we view what happened before Jesus and sets the new tone for what's to come uh, after Jesus. So, I think maybe I'm stealing this from, from Greg Boyd, maybe not. Greg, if you're listening to this, you can yeah. correct me by coming on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, was, that was smooth, that wasn't was it? That was sneaky,
2: very sneaky. Very
1: sneaky. Greg, we need you to come and talk yeah. to us about cruciform hermeneutic. But yeah. anyway, so that's, so that's, I think, helpful for me because then I'll read something in the Old Testament. And if yeah. it's not aligned with the image and character of God that Jesus reveals, I know that I need to treat this as a story and sort of, you know, see this in light of what Christ shows us. About God, so why am yeah. I talking about this? I don't know.
2: Yeah, you, you kind of went down the rabbit hole there. Uh, yeah, I do this all I the time. I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just to see all these connections and whatever. And I mm. think it's, yeah, coming coming back to, um, you know, the gospel and the importance of the importance of sharing it. I found, um, yeah, I'm still yet to I'll admit, still yet to read parts of the book that um, that uh, Bruxy has written, and I'd love to, yeah. You know, um, in the coming days, kind of finish that off. Um, but yeah, just how, how he talked about, you know, like, you know, we always, I, I always hear people kind of saying, oh, you know, people have to be, people need to be saved. People need, you know, people mm. need Jesus and all that kind of stuff. And while they do, it's not the, fu- it's not the full story. Yeah. Um, and just, just how, you know, the gospel in 30 words, especially um, uh actually kind of talked about I identified it was about in six parts you know that that might only be taking about half of those you know the fact that people need to be saved and people need to know Jesus um, you know like only covers off on about three of those but actually the story is so much bigger than that yeah and, yeah you know it doesn't really matter where you start but we actually need to tell people the full the full story not just you can be saved and um yeah. go go yes. to heaven when you die. Yeah, go to heaven when you die, and that's all there is to life. Like, what does that what does that mean for me now? Yeah, um, which I think that's that's where you know the Anabaptist kind of view on things is is really key because it it hones in on the humanity of Christ and what that means for our humanity, um, as well as not um, uh, not forsaking the fact that Jesus is God, and He reveals who God is to us in mm. his person. So Yeah, amen and amen. Okay, we
1: can talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, make sure you tell your friends to listen, share the episode online, uh, leave us a review on Facebook or any other social media platforms that you find us on. Uh, iTunes is a good place to leave us a review as well. It really helps us. Um, and it really goes a long way, I think, mm. if you just, uh, you know, write a short comment it helps other people to find us as well so we would appreciate yep. that and find Braxi and the meeting house online we are going to link everything in the show notes so it's easier yep. for you
2: and we'll link his book and study guides yep. uh reunion so you can get access to that it's all on amazon and i'm sure you can get a paper copy from somewhere yeah so
1: that's that. Awesome. Thanks for listening. And Mike, any final words before we go? We
2: are going to start a discussion about this because there's so, so many yes. rabbit holes we can go down. So, do you head over to Facebook Captivate Podcast discussion group. Discussion uh, group. Join, join yep. there. And um, we're going to have um, one, at least one, maybe two, maybe five discussions on this because there's so many places we could kind of go. Um, you know, for, for discussion. So, feel free to ask any questions. Get on there and um, discuss this out uh, with brothers and sisters who are part of that group. And um, yeah, we'd love to continue this interaction after we've released this episode.
1: When when do you think this discussion is going to start? Because I am going away. Thank you very much for five weeks. I'm super excited.
2: Well, this year about so going away, we're we're what kind of it? recording this a little a little earlier. Yes, so we'll have to probably wait until after this is this is out, um, but um, when you're listening to this, Andy will be tripping around Europe and having a fantastic time and probably not thinking about this podcast at all. Well, yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, but, I might be thinking about a podcast
1: because I love everyone who's listening even though I don't know who yeah. you are but I love you guys thanks for listening so I'm you, going yeah I'm going to will think have about have a well
2: well deserved well deserved break yes um, but if I remember being that I don't I don't get to do that um, I'll I'll start a discussion yeah put that
1: up you have to lift your game mic and just post something for me yeah. <laughs> because I'm doing all the work I'm I'm, I'm the uh, I'm the Andy of Hamish and Andy <laughs> so <laughs> 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 hey well, well if
2: I'm the Hamish I'll just rock up and talk
1: which is you've been consistent with that yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) do some work just maybe maybe not not got quite the sense of humour in the
1: yeah probably not
2: I need to go go away and work on that lift my
1: game yeah okay we need to shut up because everyone's probably thinking far out these guys just can't shut up final thing um, if you appreciate us leaving a review is awesome but we would also appreciate you helping us out financially and you know that's something that i think sometimes is a bit awkward (laughs) to to talk about but hey you know the podcast is a free podcast but it costs us a bit of money sometimes to uh, get in touch with guests and to set up everything here and to buy books and to do research so if you appreciate the content let me just emphasize this again uh you know you can go to patreon.com slash Captivate Podcast. Patreon is a website that's designed for those of you who are listening to our podcast to uh, get engaged and financially support us. There's three different options you can make use of. I think the lowest uh, the tier is uh, 350 per month, which is less than the price of a really bad cup of coffee. So you have no excuses. No, just kidding. But it would be nice if you felt so inclined to support us financially. It would really help us so please uh, be aware of that and we're going to link this in show notes as well uh this, yeah. this website so please consider and uh that's all i have to say mike you can finish this off because before i have another thought you have to finish
2: i have to finish it all right yeah. well we hope you have enjoyed all the episodes that we've released while annie has been away um you know and uh yeah, well done, Hamish. That's smooth. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I've got. Um, but um, yeah, we hope that uh, you've enjoyed this conversation, and we will see you next time. We have we have a few few more guests ra- um, yeah. booked in for the rest of the year, which we're excited about. Are we allowed? Are we allowed to say who we've got, or should we should we uh, keep keep the lid on those for a little bit?
1: Well, I think okay. I think <laughs> fine. I think you can mention one guest that's going to be know. interviewed well, in have,
2: October. Have, have, have it, how about how how we get how about we do this? Both of the guests in October that we currently have booked in, their last names start with F. Ooh. So Interesting. Shall we give a prize? The, pri- the prize prize for
0: that's guessing one of them. It's
1: impossible to guess. You gotta I give people know. something else. Yeah, if, if
2: if you if you can guess one of them, then um you can have the knowledge of just <laughs> the satisfaction of knowing that you know what's what's ahead in the future. Wow, the that's a, that's a great prize, isn't that's it? That's a brilliant prize. Yeah. And everybody wants that. But for now, okay, let's uh yeah. Two guests coming up in October.
1: A lot, or more. We'll see. Well more, but yeah. Anyways. Anyways, we gotta go now. And stay captivated. Oh, that was terrible. On three. <laughs> One, two, three. Stay, stay captivated. captivated.